0: This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Panero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania.
1: Oh.
2: If you are the head of household, the Bible also teaches that the husband is to be the head of the wife. If you look at the home, there's a pattern here. Just as Jesus is the head of the church, he's the head of the church. The scriptures gives us this over and over again, saying this is the word of God and this is his church. This is the word of God and this is his church and how the church is to be. And there is nothing time culture that could change us.
0: Our culture today bristles at the biblical concept that a man is to be the head of the house and the head of the church. It's so controversial. Yet, it's clearly written in the word that men are to lead in the church and lead their family like Christ. And women are to submit to this. Today, Pastor Eddie discusses God's directives for order in the church and in the family. And though it's difficult in our day and age to accept, it's important to trust God's design. Well. Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 as he continues his message, Men and Women in the Church.
2: Say, ladies, while you gather together in the house of God, learning the scriptures, number one, women, learn in silence. Now, this word silent means peaceable, tranquil. It does not mean to be quiet and shut up and say nothing. Though there are religions and and cults that are like that. Where women are not allowed to say anything, they are still not allowed to uh, worship And with men in in the sanctuary. They can't say nothing. And there were so many rules in ancient times for women. It was unbelievable. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying to learn peaceably. Let's not get emotional here, ladies. Let's learn silently. And here's another word which probably makes everybody feel uncomfortable, even men, with all submission. Submission, with all submission. This doesn't mean that women are to submit to all men in the church. That's not what they're saying here. Because Paul tells us in Ephesus 5, verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And that's as to the Lord. So if your husband will tell you something, you know, honey, uh, things are getting bad. we got to go Christmas shopping. We're going to use the five-figure discount. That's another word. In the city, five-figure discount. Stealing. Okay, now you get it? All right, some of you got it. Well, he said, no, I'm sorry, honey, we're not going to lie. We're not going to lie. I'll submit to you according to the word of God, as to the Lord. But it's not talking to submit to all men. Women, you have to submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Here the Paul, Speaking about learning in the church in all submission, submitting to the teachers and the teachers, uh, the the leadership and what they teach, the position of leadership in the church and the teaching. We'll see that as we unfold and we'll get to chapter three. When we get to chapter three, we're going to see the qualifications of a leader in a church. And I give you a heads up. You can see where this is going. It's only men. And you may say, well, how come? You know, yeah, because they haven't read the Bible. You tell God he had it wrong from the beginning. In verse 12, he says, and I do not permit a woman to teach. There it is. Or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. The same word, peaceful and tranquil. So women, can they teach in a church? Absolutely. They can teach in a church. My wife teaches, she teaches other women, teach children. Women teach the children. And according to Titus chapter two, verses three to four, it says the older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things that they may admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. Women, are you encouraging other women to love their husbands? Are you chiming in? Oh, my husband, uh, yeah, yeah, mine too. Oh, please, oh, Lord, help us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. (laughs) The prayer list just extended. But no, we encourage one another. The younger women, especially the ones that have just been married, love your husbands, love your children. However, in the house of God, women are not to teach men personally. They're not to teach men personally. Why? Because of order. It's because of order. This has been from the very beginning. It hasn't changed. And we'll see that as we move on to the next few verses. So Paul is speaking with the authority given to him by Jesus Christ. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. And that is in the church. It is speaking about the church He's speaking about authority, the authority of, of a bishop, a deacon, an elder, and a pastor in the church. Women are, to, are not to be placed in position of authority over a man in a church. That's what the Bible teaches. There is not a Bible verse that shows you otherwise. People say, oh, Deborah. Deborah was a prophetess. She didn't lead the men in battle. They're prophetess, yes, but they're not leaders. They're not teachers of the word of God. It's not that they can't teach. Some people say, well, how come I have the gift of teaching? You have the gift of teaching to teach other women. That doesn't mean, oh, because, oh you have the gift of teaching. Oh, wow, wow, okay, well, <laughs> let's just rip the pages of chapter 2, 3, and 4 of Timothy, and we move on with that. That's not that's not a reason. If you have a gift of teaching. Maybe you have a gift of teaching other people, but not to teach men In a church, I had a a relative who had said to me, yeah, you know, you're part of that church, Calvary Chapel, and they don't allow teaching. And I said, well, is it biblical or is it not? Had no answer because his pastor was a female pastor. And I gave him the the example. I said, well, if your wife doesn't have authority over you, how is it that another woman has authority over you? And he's old school. (laughs) And I think that hit him. That made sense. But it's not so much, you just look at it logically, but you look at it scripturally, and it, it should be clear. If you are the head of household, the Bible also teaches that the husband is to be the head of the wife. If you look at the home, there's a pattern here. Just as Jesus is the head of the church, he's the head of the church. The scriptures gives us this over and over again. Saying this is the word of God, and this is his church. This is the word of God, and this is his church and how the church is to be. And there is nothing, time, culture, that could change this. Nothing. People want to change the word of God all the time, and this is an area that they want to change. They want to just take it off the pages. And though there are many churches that diluted it, uh, watered it down, disregarded the word of God, his instruction for the church and and the culture around us, we're going to stick to the word of God. I can't go wrong if I stick to the word of God. Again, I'm not here to please the culture. And many churches have done that. God is God, and he's a God of order. And his church should be in order according to scripture. We see this in the marriage relationship. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul writes, For the husband is the head of the wife, how? As also Christ is the head of the church. So who's the head of the church? Christ. So in the same way Christ is the head of the church, so is the husband the head of the wife. And he is the savior of the body. Now, there's been an abuse of authority, obviously, when it comes to men. Men have abused their authority. They think that when they have authority that they could talk down to their wife and belittle their wife. Hey, Jesus says, love your wife as, you, as Christ loves the church. How much Christ loves the church? He died for the church. Does he talk down to the church? Does he mistreat the church? Does he abuse the church? Absolutely not. And if a husband abuses his authority in that area, he's going to answer to God. He is sinning. He's abusing the authority given to him. That's not what authority is. And again, though we use the word authority, we have this negative connotation. Oh, that means I'm going to be beaten up or something. No. And we have other cultures that believe in that. Islam, they teach that. That's what Muslims teach. They teach to beat the wife. That's not biblical. There's nothing in scripture. You don't find Adam beating up Eve. Right? It's because it's the way it's supposed to be. So we have this thing. Well, there's a history of man abusing women. And so we're not going to take it anymore. So we're not going to submit. No, they're good, godly men. I'm pretty sure there are many godly men that are not like that. They love their wives. They treat their wives like queens, like like princess. They treat them well. They don't abuse their authority. Since the birth of the church in the book of Acts, women have been a vital part of ministry since the beginning, and they continue to be a part of the ministry. Jesus broke the barrier even during his ministry. How many women, how many men and women were at the cross? Just one man. 18-year-old John. Jesus went to speak to a Samaritan woman, which was forbidden in that time, not only as a man, but even as a Jew, because he was half Jew, half Samaritan. And he met this woman woman at the well because she was not only just a woman, she was a bad woman, and she went to get water after the women who got water in the morning. That's why she was at the well by herself. She wanted to avoid all the other women because she had a reputation. Jesus didn't care. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. The first missionary was a woman. It was the woman, not only the women that were at the the, the cross, but it was the women who were there at the burial getting ready to embalm the body. And what happened? Jesus rose from the grave. And he met Mary. And what did he tell Mary? Go tell my brothers I'm risen. There is the first missionary as a woman. Christ broke the barriers even after the cross during his ministry. And this would be the same way in the church. Women are not saying that we're equal. So men and women do things together in the house of God. We're equal. But there is an order. There's only two areas that God has uh, reserved for men. And that, those two areas to have authority in the church and to teach. They need to be leaders to have authority for the purpose of leading and teaching. Women can disciple other women. Men could disciple. Now, I, I disciple only men. If I have to, I would not disciple a woman. I don't mean counsel a woman by themselves. It's either myself or my wife. If she has a husband, a husband can, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not alone with a woman at, at all. And so that's why there is a balance here. But there's also order. And we'll study that as we go. We move on. Now, Paul gives us why, why, why men are to be teachers and have authority in the church. Number one, verse 13, number one, he said, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. That's the first reason. Now, the Greek word first here is protos, protos, meaning first in time, place, or in rank. And that's important because God created Adam first and then the woman However, it is not talking about value or equality. That is not what is speaking here. God created both men and women according to his image. So both men and women have, are 100% equal and valuable to God, and, and God created both equally. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image, in his image, of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Both male and female out of the image of God. Every single human being that was created, were created in the image of God. So when we talk to another person, and women talk to men and men talk to women, we must always remember that we're talking uh, to one that was created out of the image of God. There is nothing in the entire universe that God created that is more like God than man, and that's both man and woman. We shared status equally. We shared that status equally. In fact, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Of course, Paul is talking about salvation, whether you're rich or poor, Uh, free or slave whether you're Jew or Gentile male or female We're we're all one in Christ Jesus one there's equality there's value however God created order order and equality are not mutual exclusive terms they work beautifully together and what's misunderstood is the order of God as to assume that one is better than the other in fact we see that within the Trinity and I don't think there's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit arguing about who's better the Father, Son are equal, one God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ and God the Holy Spirit the three are one, 1 John chapter 5 verse 7 it says for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father the Word, speaking of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit these three are one and within the trinity, listen, within the trinity there is also order. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. Paul writes this, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. And here it is. And the head of Christ is God. God the Father. God the Father. Now, is Christ of less value than God the Father? <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. Within the Trinity, there is order. It has nothing, about, it has nothing to do about value. or equal. It's, it's order. There's order in the Trinity within the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no problem there because they're not man, but they're all one. They're all three are God. And so it's about order. And we see that that order in the Trinity. When God created man and woman, we see that even in the marriage. There is order in the marriage and there is order in the church. God is a God of He doesn't change, He's the same yesterday. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Man changed. Culture changed. But the word of God would not change. And this is the reason why there are problems in our society. There's a problem in our culture and throughout history. Because when you have that reverse, there's a problem. That's reason number one. He goes reason number two, verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So the second reason is deception. In Genesis chapter 3 verses 5 to 6, Satan, the serpent said to Eve, he said, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Eve was deceived Not by a desire for something illicit, but a desire to be godly, to be God. And Adam, instead of looking out for his wife, protected and say, wait, wait, remember, the Lord said we should not. No, he wasn't fulfilling his responsibility as a husband, as a mate, to hey, listen, let's we shouldn't take this. He too ate, and he sinned. So the order in which God created from the beginning, now mind you, this order was there not because she sinned. So don't think because she was the one that was deceived in the beginning that that's the reason why man is, no, no. That was from the beginning. Adam was created first. The order was there before the fall. It was there before the fall. The order in which God created from the beginning has been reversed in the garden. It went from Satan Deceiving the woman, okay, and then Adam, Satan, the woman, and Adam. It was reversed because it's supposed to be God, Adam, and the woman. There's order again. Not I got to make emphasis on this because I know for some people this is really, really difficult to take. But when we must, you know, be transformed of renewing our mind. Romans chapter twelve verse two says, we must filter out what we believe, what we were raised with. culture and what man says. You must filter that out and see what the Bible has to say. So that's reason number two. Reason number two. And reason number three. He said, Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Now there are about four or five different interpretations. This is one of those difficult verses to interpret. Uh, There's like five. I'll just give you the three that I say are pretty much close, but I'll tell you the one that I, I feel is the best. The first one is referring to the woman would be saved physically through the difficult and dangerous process of childbirth. That's one view. The next view is she would be saved by being at home raising her children. That's the second view. I don't believe either of these two is the view I believe is this. She will be saved through the ultimate childbirth of Jesus Christ, the Savior. And it is through, it talks about she, it's speaking about she. You go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which is the first messianic prophecy that's speaking about Jesus when the Lord put enmity between, he said to Satan, I will put enmity between your seed, Satan, and her seed. She doesn't have a seed. The man has seeds. She doesn't have a seed, but the seed is speaking about the children of Israel who's going to bring forth the Messiah who will be the Savior of the world. And that's what this is talking about. And so it's about order. It's not about, you know, it's not about value. And I know it's not a good popular sermon, but this is why we teach. We study the word of God. It needs to be addressed. And we live in a culture where, oh, forget it. Men are being, and it's sad, men are being more degraded now. I see the commercials when I used to watch TV. Men doing things that women do, which they do best, and now women are doing things that men do. Not that they can't do it, but you can't tell me, you know, that a woman could play football. With other women, maybe. But now they're just including them everywhere, and it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. They're taking away... It's funny how... They talk about women's rights, but meanwhile, they're allowing women and men to compete in women's sports. It's a, this is how far this has gone. and I don't think there's it's not so much of a problem within the church and understanding what the Bible has to say as far as order, but this is our culture. They're hiding the truth. When, when they want to hide the truth, this is what they do. they change it. When a man wants to hide the truth that he is a man, not a woman, biologically, he's a man, guess what they'll do? They'll change it. I'm a woman. Oh, I'm a he, she, I'm a whatever. And you've got all so many pronouns now as if it makes sense. This is how far it's gone. But when we obey the word of God and live according to the word of God, And follow the instructions of God. We won't have a crazy society culture the way it is right now. This is the reason why there's a problem. It's because men are not being men and women are not being women. And we need to follow the word of God. And when it comes to the house of God, let the world, if they want to change it, let them. But we're going to be obedient to the word of God. And I want to follow what God says. And I hold no apologies to it. And this is why it's written so.
1: I'm running the race.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Have you ever wondered why there are so many letters written in the New Testament? First Timothy is just one of many letters that gives you some insights into the ministry that was happening after the time that Jesus lived here on earth. There were struggles and there were successes. But you realize that as great as these missionaries and pastors were, they also were just human. They had strengths, weaknesses, discouragements, and moments of triumph. Isn't it great to know and to relate to people in the Bible? They're spiritual pillars in some ways. But you come to realize that they were people that God used, just like He can use you in this time and place. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you.
1: We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com.
0: Thanks, Jessica. Once again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll refer to our website for additional resources that include hearing these messages again or learning about the church behind the ministry. Join us again for another edition of Running the Race.